Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Casey and Sherry, you may recall, looked after us during the pandemic when we couldn't be together. Uh, we had a chance to worship with them in their living room. Uh, that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. We were all kind of a small group together uh, at that time. I appreciated um, what each of the folks shared with us today uh, for um, the work of, uh, of Craig McDonald. Um, Craig uh, is an amazing guy. He is, you may have noticed, has some sight issues, uh, and uh, yet that hasn't stopped him from being a public defender. In the first service, I suggested Craig sing to the judge, and that might help him get his, uh, get his folks... Uh, get his folks off. And then, uh, I don't know if you know it, but um, Casey, who's leading us in worship, is the wife of, of Chris, who plays the piano for us. So if you haven't made that connection, uh, you have now. And I also told folks in the first service that there's something wrong with this world when someone like Chris can't make a living professionally at the piano. Um, so um, I, uh, I just wish that there was a way of seeing that um, the world be such a place where we could enjoy that beauty. One of the things that i looking maybe at next year sometime would be a sermon series on beauty. Have you noticed how beauty in all of its forms, the music that we've had this morning, the flowers of spring, um, the beauty of a snowfall, um, remind us of God. There's something about beauty that makes us think about God. And so uh, perhaps we will talk a little bit more about that in the, in the future. Today we join in celebration of Pastor Nancy and her husband Glenn's 35th wedding anniversary today. So let's congratulate them. And uh, we are, uh, we're delighted uh, for them. They were down, flew back from Eugene today. They have uh, a granddaughter uh, in Eugene. Notice I said they don't have kids. They have a granddaughter uh, in Eugene that um, <clears throat> they went down to spend some time with. We're going to take a moment and pray for Laurel Kirby and her son, Jason. Um, many of you know Laurel. Her husband passed away. John passed away uh, just about a, a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, and um, so not only is she grieving that, but we got word that her son, Jason, um, is in the ICU with COVID. And as you know, that's a tough, that's a tough deal when you get to the place where you're, where you're in intensive care um, with some of the complications. So um, let's join together for just a moment in prayer for her. Lord, we thank you for Laurel and John for their lives of a service to your kingdom, for the blessing they have been in our lives. And now, Lord, we pray for that peace which passes all understanding to keep Laurel's heart and mind in Christ Jesus. May she know the blessing of your presence. We also pray, Lord, for Jason. We pray, Lord, for your ministry of healing. May he turn to you there in that ICU room and experience your peace also and your healing power at work in his life. We pray, Lord, for our nation in this difficult season everything that surrounds this virus, the, the politics, the challenges, the infections. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to get through this time, that we may move into a better future. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the other things I have to do is thank Pastor Alan and Casey 
um, for the uh, wonderful song we sang this morning that many of you have probably never heard before, and that is In the Bleak Midwinter. It's actually one of my favorite carols. How many of you have ever heard of or sung In the Bleak Midwinter before? Oh, that's quite a few of you. Good, good for you. I, I just... Uh, I just love that song, and I love the words, uh, the way it ends. You know, if I were a shepherd, I would give him a sheep. Um, but I'm poor, and so I'm just going to give him my heart, regardless of our, our net income or our accumulated wealth. He's looking for that. He's looking for our heart. So we finish our Advent series today uh, looking at angelic encounters with the people that were a part of the original Christmas story. And today, we're going to finish up by looking at the shepherds in our series, Don't Be Afraid. Now, I don't know about your Christmas traditions. If we were a small group, by the way, isn't it wonderful to see more and more folks coming back to church? It just feels, uh, feels great. And uh, yeah, thank you, for, thank you for being here. And folks that are watching online, we are delighted that you're joining us as well. And always, if you feel comfortable We'd love to have you in the room with us. We still have some, uh, some seats available here. Uh, if you're concerned about your health and want to be careful, by all means, just continue to join us uh, via the live stream. For those of us that are in the room, just a reminder, if you like the music this morning, um, you can go back to the recording of the live stream and uh, enjoy it all over again or have it in the background if you like while you're doing some other things. So Christmas traditions, I don't know what yours are, but it would be fun to be a small group and just talk about different traditions. One of them in my family that goes back to my earliest memories was that on Christmas Day, before we could open our presents, we would read the Christmas story from Luke, but it had to be in the King James Version. And so for me, the Christmas story isn't the Christmas story unless it's read in the King James Version. So we do that in the Crane household, and our kids have kind of gotten used to it. And uh, my hope is, um, Sean, that it will carry on with the next generation uh, of, uh, of Cranes uh, because it's something that has been a tradition for us. And so um, what I'd like you to do today is uh, um, Liz is going to put up a, a picture for you of the shepherds and the angelic encounter and rather than follow along with me in the scripture, I'd like you to look at this and I'd like you to think about how you would feel if you were in this field in Judea in the first century and you saw something like this. What would that mean to you? And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came round about them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now at this point in our series around this 
uh, Advent theme of angelic appearances, appearances and not being afraid, we've noticed that with Joseph the first Sunday and then Zechariah and then Mary last Sunday, they actually didn't seem to be afraid of the angel itself or himself or herself, but they, 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 they feared something else, something about what the angel said or something that they, they wondered about, but they didn't seem to be concerned about the appearance. And it makes me wonder if some of those appearances were a little less dramatic than what we have here with the shepherds in the fields. So in this case, the shepherds were clearly afraid of the angelic appearance. And the angel, however, immediately put them at ease. I don't know if you've, uh, like me, ever bought a, a new car or thought about buying a new car, and when you thought about it uh, and you began to process that, and then you're driving down the freeway and you notice how many cars are just like the one you bought, you're thinking of. Um, I, I, I don't own a Tesla, but for some reason... I have been thinking about Teslas, and I have noticed more and more and more Teslas on the road. And maybe that's a factor of, of them being popular and more, you know, electronic cars, uh, battery-operated cars are, are you know, are, are just more and more out there. But I've been noticing those. And, and the thing that happens is that there's sort of a little a shift in our perspective, and we become more sensitized to the fact that there's a lot of uh, a Volkswagen beetles out there, Bob. And, uh, and when you got one, you just, you see them everywhere. So, so that sensitizes us to that. And we see things a little differently. So we live in a post enlightenment. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to unpack that, but that has to do with Western philosophy that began a couple of centuries ago that has brought us to a place today where we live in a secular world. We also live in a post Christian world. I don't know if it's correct to say America was ever a Christian nation, but certainly it's not a Christian nation now. We have a, a large population of Christians, people identify as Christians, but that worldview doesn't reflect our nation. We are clearly a people who have a secular worldview. And one of the things that I think has affected us is that that secular worldview has kind of taken away the supernatural in some ways for all of us. I don't know about you, but I think that many of us don't think much about angels. In fact, other than when we pray, we may not think a lot about the supernatural even. Three years ago, we had Hans Boersma with us. And Hans Boersma is a theologian. And um, I don't know if I told you guys this, but Hans's vocabulary is amazing. And when he spoke to us on a Sunday morning... It was really highfalutin. Do any of you remember you remember Hans Borsma being with us? How many of you heard Hans Borsma on a Sunday morning? Okay, he obviously made a profound impression upon you. So, so Hans was amazing, but when he spoke, he spoke like he was lecturing a university crowd. And it was brilliant, and it was good. And about half of us said, wow, I can't believe that. And half of us said, what was that? Uh, we, you know, it was, it was that kind of a thing. But Hans was, was amazing in that what he talked about is the fact that we actually, in spite of our secular worldview, we actually live in an enchanted world. We live in an enchanted universe. And the supernatural is everywhere around us. 
What I don't think I shared with you was that when we set up this, this Lenten season, um, I had Bishop Kevin from the Anglican Church, because they were co-sponsoring um, this event with him. He and I went up to uh, Langley uh, to, meet with, uh, to meet with Hans, and we had lunch with him. And I said, now, Hans, you're going to be establishing a, a, a setting for our Advent season this year. And so when you finish with your lecture, if you could do an application for the people as they move into Advent, excuse me, as they move into Lent. And he looked at me and he said, I don't do application. <laughs> so, so it was like, okay, Hans. So Hans is this brilliant, brilliant guy, but he doesn't do application. So my job as the pastor is to do application of his brilliance. The reason for that introduction was I want to read you a summary of what he says about a supernatural world around us. He said, the purpose of all matter is to lead us into God's heavenly presence, to bring about communion with God, participation in the divine life. Thus are the church's sacraments simply the beginning of the cosmic restoration. The entire cosmos is meant to serve as a sacrament, a material gift of God, and through which we enter into the joy of his heavenly presence. Now, what he's saying there is is that when we take communion, the the sacrament of communion, it's a physical expression of a spiritual reality. And, And what he is saying is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to put this secular worldview behind, and we need to engage in a vision of the supernatural. We need to understand that the entire world and the experiences that we have, and the beauty of music that we had this morning, and the beauty that surrounds us of the mountains and the rivers, and all of this is a a physical manifestation that should move us from the physical. It should move us into the vertical and into the spiritual. The angel announced this. The angel said, fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The baby, the Christ, the cross, the resurrection are bringing heaven to us. And we even now can appreciate the heavenly beings that surround us, the agents of God. We planted Holy Trinity Church here in Edmonds in in 2014. We planted it on top of us um, as an Anglican church, and then eventually they were able to get the former Open Bible Church, and I have a 10-year lease on that now, and they're flourishing and doing very well. We're so excited for them. We planted in connection with two Um, dioceses or groups of the Anglican church. One is the local diocese, which is Cascadia, and the other is Church for the Sake of Others, headed up by Todd Hunter. And uh, Todd um, has a a sort of a non-geographical diocese and focused on church planting. And one of his priests is is a a woman um, whose name is Tish Harrison Warren, and she's a priest in C4SO. She is a contributor, uh, uh, an opinion writer for the New York Times, uh, interestingly, from obviously a very Christian perspective. 
Uh, and uh, she wrote a book recently, and the book is called Prayer in the Night, and Prayer in the Night just won. It was just announced the book award from Christianity Today as the Christian book of the year. I want to read you a small piece of this this morning as she talks about angels. She says, for close to 10 years, I forgot about the existence of angels. I didn't exactly decide I no longer believed in them. I simply didn't think about them. And if I ever did, it was a passing thought about how corny the depiction of angels really is. I rediscovered angels by putting a baby to sleep at night. When my first child was a newborn, I realized one night to my surprise that without really noticing it, I had developed a habit of asking God to send angels to protect her. Back when I worked at Vanderbilt University and became a regular at a Greek Orthodox cafe and bookstore near campus, I loved its quiet and its beauty, its ancient books and its veggie chili. She said, I got to know Father Parthenia and the Antiochian, <coughs> excuse me, who was the Antiochian priest and his wife, known to all as simply Presbytera, <coughs> which simply means priest's wife, who ran the place together. One afternoon, late in my pregnancy, Presbytera handed me an icon of an angel and told me it was for the new baby. I appreciated her kindness, but wasn't particularly spiritually moved. After all, I'm Protestant, and at the time felt no particular skepticism toward icons and angels, but I didn't feel a deep connection either. Still, I hung the tiny wooden icon on my daughter's wall. Months later, as I prayed for my daughter before laying her to sleep, I would point out the icon and ask that angels would be near and protect her. I didn't know what changed my mind or heart. My only explanation is that the towering responsibility and love and vulnerability of motherhood opened my heart to ask for help wherever it could be found. I keenly sensed my daughter's smallness and fragility in this great cosmos and knew that all the passion of my maternal love wasn't enough to keep her safe. I was small and fragile too. And yet, in our ordinary house, in the vast darkness of night, I believed I wasn't alone. I used the Book of Common Prayer as part of my morning devotion. It also has a other description of offices, other prayers during the day, and evening prayer and a night prayer. And the night prayer, also called Compline, includes this. This is the prayer. Give your angels charge over those who sleep. Give your angels charge over those who sleep. When we're most vulnerable in the darkness the quietness of night, we can rest in the knowledge of God's supernatural care. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, about the real nature of the cosmos of the world. He says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit 
is life and peace. So what does this mean now in terms of how we live our lives? This knowledge that we have of being surrounded by the supernatural, by an enchanted world. I like the way Dallas Willard puts it. He says, as we increasingly integrate our life into the spiritual world of God, our life increasingly takes on the substance of the eternal. We are destined for a time when our life will be entirely sustained from spiritual realities and no longer dependent in any way upon the physical. Our dying or mortal condition will have been exchanged for an undying one and death absorbed in victory. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of being with families when their loved ones have passed on. I, it's a sacred moment. It's a, it's a rare gift to a pastor to be available in those times. And nowadays, death and how it is experienced has often changed. In order to make the passing easier, it's often the case that folks are medicated, and in the medication to help them not have pain, the, the passing tends to be a little quieter, and there doesn't seem to be as much interaction. But historically, in the passing of someone, there are numerous stories of those who in that moment as they're at the threshold of heaven have talked with those across the threshold in heaven, have identified those who have gone before and have had a conversation with them and then have come back into the room and again conversed with the family members that are physically there before actually crossing the threshold and going into heaven. And Dallas reminds us of the spiritual reality of God's presence around us and the real world in which we live when he says this. He says, I am a spiritual being who currently has a physical body. I'm a spiritual being who currently has a physical body. Friends, this Christmas season and always, remember that we are designed to live forever because of this baby. And that's why the heavenly host sang to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that's why we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. We're not alone. Emmanuel is God with us. We do live in an enchanted world, my friends. And may we enter into the joy of God's presence, the reality of the angelic host he has provided for each one of us as we celebrate his birth this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for the blessing of your presence. We thank you, Lord, for Christmas and the wonder, the wonder of that day that God loved us so much, he sent his son into the world, born as a babe in Bethlehem, fully God, fully human, showed us how to live by his life, went to the cross for our sins, and rose again that we may have eternal life. This Christmas season, Lord, for that we give you thanks in Jesus' name.